What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Knicks Take Podcast, Episode Eight. I am Joshua Focused, alongside my co-host, alongside my co-host, my rude ass co-host, French. Thank you, French, the co-host. <laughs> French, the co-host, not the main host. Big. <laughs> that's my brother, my blood brother, same mother, father. Love you, bro. What Shout out to Ayaka. All right. This is a weekly podcast. Every week we're going to be talking about the uh, Nick, biggest Nick news of the week. This week we only have recaps and a couple of news, but you know, sometimes it's like that. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, The Knicks Take. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Knicks Take Media. Find us on YouTube, Knicks Take Videos. Let's get to it. Straight to it. Straight, Straight to business. To Coming into this game. No, go ahead. Coming into this game, Monday, April 26, 2021, Phoenix Suns at the Garden mm-hmm. facing our New York Knickerbockers. Mm-hmm. Knicks, fresh off a nine-game win streak. Looking going to make 10. it 10. Looking for 10. The name of the last episode is going to be 10. I know that. I had a feeling. I thought it was going to get to 10. It did get the 10, but we ain't get that 10th win. We got we got nine and three quarters. Nine and three quarters. Phoenix yeah. Suns, though, Phoenix Suns were the, I think they still are the second seed in the West, right? No, they're the number uh, one seed now. They're the number one best, seed? Okay. Best record in the NBA. All right. I forgot to check the Western Conference seeding. So if we um, lost to anybody for the, with the 10-game 10, 10 streak on the line. Might as well be the one seed in the Might West. as well be the hottest team in the NBA. Hottest team in the NBA. They were... On a two-game losing streak before coming to the Garden, still looking to clinch a playoff berth, which they have. And Nick started off like they didn't care about that. <laughs> Nick started off like, yo, I don't care who you are. Chris Paul, who? Devin Booker, who? Who? Yeah, okay, y'all drafted, you know, Michael Bridges, but McCall Bridges, but, you know, Kevin Knox is on our bench, so we wasn't going to use you anyway. Reggie Bullock starts off the game, splashing the three. It wasn't even a minute in the game. He's showing you what it is. I think RJ followed up with a three. Knicks was just killing. 17-5 to start off the quarter. Start off the game. Just made, put a stamp on the game. Put their name in everybody's mouth. Like, we about to come in here. We about to beat the Phoenix Suns. Y'all thought this nine-game win streak was a fluke. It's not. Right? Suns. Said, okay, but we're actually a good team. We're not going to let y'all just blow us out and route us from quarter one. They made it a game. Halftime, Knicks were up, probably about seven, eight points. The third quarter comes. I won't call it the third quarter of doom. I think we can retire that. Yeah, we're Because it, e- even when the Knicks let up in the third quarter, it's not a complete <clears throat> let go of the rope. But the Phoenix Suns did go from losing by double digits in the third quarter to taking the lead in the third quarter. And the Knicks didn't just let go of the rope still. They finished the quarter with a beautiful alley-oop from IQ to Obi Toppin to make it 87-87. Mm-hmm. French, is there anything from the first three quarters that that, that um you feel like is important to the game or that we really need to talk about? No, I was, I was misled by the first three quarters. I'm thinking <laughs> that we're about to get this win. I'm thinking it's about to be 10 straight. 
even when they was making their runs, I'm like, we got this. We and we do it. It felt his, like one of those games that we was just gonna win, even in the fourth his, quarter when they had the when they had the lead and they started to get a, a little bit carried away and they started to get away from us. We got the lead right back. Right. The first half we was getting. We started off with what an 18 point lead in the first quarter. I don't know if it was 18. It might have been 15. 15, we, was 15. Up, we was up. We was up 17 five, and I, I think we hit a three right after that. Yeah. So it might have been like 20 to five or some something crazy like that. We were up by double digits several times in this game. Yeah. And I was nervous cur- because of like the fact that they had Chris Paul. But I, but even with that, the Knicks were doing this with Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett not really playing their best game. Yeah. They were. It's like it could go either way. It's like if. RJ and Randall just show up a little bit in the fourth quarter. We got this. But then you could also say if if Julius Randall and RJ Barrett don't show out in the fourth quarter, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are can still turn it up. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. Um, well, it was more so Chris Paul turning it up than Devin Booker. Devin Booker, Devin was, Booker was hot all night. The whole game the whole until game. the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter when it came down to winning time, Chris Paul just he just lit us up. He Chris let Paul, us up for eight straight quarter, points. In we the fourth had quarter, two straight turnovers. Got yep. In, in the fourth terrible. quarter, we we were playing catch up because even though at the start of the quarter we were going back and forth to end the game, it seemed like the Phoenix Suns were gonna pull it out and, and, and just keep their foot on our necks. But we pulled it to within three, and then it was the Chris Paul show. Chris Paul just came down and hit miraculous shot after miraculous shot after miraculous shot, and even. Even with that, we still showed up and said we're not. We're, it doesn't matter how many shots we're not out of this yet. Yeah. And then within the last minute or so, the final minute of the game, I think we were down five or seven or something like that. We still it was still reasonable for us to come back. And then Chris Paul lets the shot clock run down, and then with like two seconds left in the shot clock, he does a little off the dribble pull up three. Off the dribble, pull up three, knocks it down in the garden, starts talking his trash, starts pumping his fist, starts hitting everybody's five. And I mean, that was the moment of the game right there. That's the that's that sealed the game that that it showed everything that you needed to know about this game, how Chris Paul just could not be stopped at the end of the fourth quarter. And. I mean, that was it. This game was the Chris Paul. The end of this game was the Chris Paul show. Just as simple as that. That's all. Just as simple as that. Reggie Bullock had a scorching first half, finished six for eleven for seventeen points. Completely disappeared in the fourth quarter. Not, and it's not completely his fault. The refs kind of took him out of the game. He had a little bit of foul trouble just to begin the game. He he was scorching hot in that first quarter. Got some ticky tack fouls, and that affected him for the rest of the game. So during the fourth quarter, when we needed him, didn't help. Derrick Rose, our third best player at this point, mm-hmm. behind Julius and behind RJ. He was great all game, but he's how old now? 30-something? 31. And he can't do the stuff that he used to do. He's not a franchise point guard anymore, although he's still very good. He's still a very good player. He had 22 points, six boards, six assists. I believe he had, across across all stats, he had the highest points per game for the Knicks. He had the highest boards for the Knicks. He had the highest assists for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. You can't ask for more from Derek Rose. We were looking for him to help us. He wanted to help shoulder us to the win, but you need RJ and you need Julius Randle, and they did not show up. 
and I don't know whether it was because they were tired, because of the matchups. I can't really, I can't really tell. What do you think? I think we they they just got beat by a better team. It it's not, it doesn't have to be an explanation every time. It's just they had Chris Paul and we had two turnovers at the end of the game. Well, I'm, it was just I'm speaking more to why RJ and Julius played the way that they did. That's what I'm like. I well, know the why they were a good defensive team too. It, it, they they was making it tough and Julius just wasn't he couldn't get into his rhythm. And he Julius. Was, he was he was being aggressive in the second half. He still got his points and stuff, but <clears throat> whenever he's the one struggling to score, it makes it a lot less of a, a contest in the end of the game when you're playing against an elite team. When they when you're playing against an elite team, they yeah. they got somebody who who's been in this situation countless times, and they already know exactly what they got to do. Julius is still trying to learn that. Once him and RJ figure that out, figure out how to get their points in the clutch, game winners, get a few of those under their belt. You could be able to trust him in these situations every time more so than. Right I just now. felt like this was a matchup that he could have taken advantage of, and he didn't. And I didn't. I'm. I don't understand. It didn't seem like he was tired. Although I wouldn't blame him if that was the reason. I don't think he's tired. But I can't. I can't. His matchup was was alien, right? Um, Who was his matchup for this game? Who was who was on him? I know RJ's matchup was. They had Devin Booker, uh, Mikal Bridges, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Craig. Yeah. Who played 17 minutes? Cameron. They had Cameron Payne, Tory Craig. Like, uh, Frank Kaminsky came out and, you know, played well. Mm-hmm. I, did, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like Phoenix Suns are a better team, especially because they have Chris Paul, just especially because they have Devin Booker. But I, I was just looking for a reason to. I felt like if you win three quarters and Julius Randle and RJ Barrett aren't playing well, you should have some sort of explanation as to why you lost. I'm not mad at it, but I just want to make sense of it. And I can't. And maybe I have to watch it a few more times to figure out why Julius and why RJ. Well, RJ, I understand. RJ is young. Sometimes defenses make him play a little worse Mm -hmm. because team defenses seem to give him trouble. But Julius was just missing shots that he normally hits. And I, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Anyway, that, that's how it goes. Until. Sometimes that's just how it goes. The game ended 118-110 on Chris Paul's theatrics. Moving on to the next game. Well, Wednesday, before we move on to the next game, Go ahead. after this game that, that we saw here, seeing the Suns for the first time this season and seeing the impact that Chris Paul has on that team, mm-hmm. how much further do you think this team would be if it had Chris Paul on it? The Knicks, because we were rumored to to be interested in him before the season started. We was gonna trade for him. He didn't want to come because he wanted to stay on the West Coast for his family. Yeah, but in this situation that he did get traded to New York, and every other everybody else is on the team except for Alfred Payton. Where do you see this team going with Chris Paul as the lead point guard? I I just want to say like, and I know I've said it in previous podcasts. I really wanted Chris Paul or Fred VanVleet. Those are the two guys, and I ain't gonna lump front Fred Van Vliet with Chris Paul, but I understand what you're saying. I'm not lumping them together. I'm just saying, like, if you can't get one, get the other. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody who can shoot the three, who can run the point, space the floor, get to the paint. Whether defend. they finish or not, they they when they get to the paint, something could happen. Defend and defend all things. Alfred Payton struggles at. If the Knicks got Chris Paul. Even if you don't real, even if you don't think that they're gonna get to the fourth seed, 
Chris Paul is good enough to will you to the fourth seed by himself with a team that has a budding young star in R.J. Barrett, if you believe in him, which I think that the Knicks franchise did. If you, and I think the Knicks franchise believes in R.J. I think they believe in Mitch. And we're going to get to this later, but they believe in Julius Randle, and they always have. So if you think that those... If you think that those players are good enough to get you at least to fighting for the play in, then Chris Paul brings you to the fourth seed. Now you see how the season played out and we are ready the fourth seed and we're going to be battling. I don't see us falling further than sixth. So imagine if you have a Chris Paul who instantly shoots you up a few seeds by himself. I don't see how we are not. An elite team with this, the same roster, except you swap out Alfred for Chris Paul. I don't see how we're not battling in the first, second, third seed. Maybe we're not first. Maybe we're not second. But we're right up there with them because they all have they're all within games of two or three games of each other. And I don't see how the Knicks aren't within that kind of seeding expectation after seeing what they did this year with the Chris Paul. So it kind of hurts to talk about it because, you know, you could get him. But. At the same time, you hear you hear what happened. It's like, okay, he wanted to be closer to the West, and he wants to win a ring. Mm-hmm. You, you, no, none of us saw this coming. So you have to, uh, when you're management, you have to give him what he wants. But man, man, if you could have made that trade, and then you he comes in and he sees how Julius Randle was prepping. You, he sees how RJ has worked on his game. He sees Emmanuel quickly can shoot the ball from 30 to 35 feet out. You see Nerlens Noel blocking everything. You see Mitch. It, it almost brings a tear to my eye just talking about it. So, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on that, man. Like, I, I really wish we could have gotten Chris. But I understand maybe we can get him in the offseason. If not, maybe we can get somebody who can replicate some of the things that he does. That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> we view this situation similarly because if Chris Paul was on his team, based on what you've seen from this team this season and how many games that we had that were in fighting, like in the beginning of the season before we had Derrick Rose, we were losing a lot of close games. Mm-hmm. And with Derrick Rose, you see we shot up to be this much better, right? We're what, 17 and four in games that Derrick Rose has played in? So when you take that, when you take that, right, that information that I just gave you with Derrick Rose, imagine all those games in the beginning of the season without Derrick Rose, if we had Chris Paul on the team, how many of those losses do you think are gone? I, I swear, it's like 10, 10 games where we would have won if we had Chris Paul on this team. And, our, and with those 10 games, our record right now would be 45 and 18, which is the Phoenix Suns record right now. <laughs> so we... In my in my mind in my in my fantasy land where we have Chris Paul, <laughs> we are the best team in the NBA. Record. I don't know if I I don't know if I want to go that far, bro. But you don't feel like ten wins Chris Paul could have got us out in the beginning of the season? Just ten. We went on a damn near ten game win streak without him. It's hard to argue. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to argue. Just it's, 10 it's games. Hard, His presence to is going to make a difference on his team. So It's hard to argue that, that if you don't make that Derrick Rose trade to begin the season, that you're not one of the best teams in the league. So if I feel that way about Derrick Rose, how can I not say that about Chris Paul? Exactly. 
So, and imagine, knowing imagine that, we had Chris Paul and then we pulled off that Derrick Rose trade before the trade deadline. Boy, I tell you. Boy, I tell you. Boy, I tell uh, you. All right, let's. You touched on something that I kind of want to talk about, but I'm not. We ain't gonna talk about it unless because we got we got some we got some topics to talk. Let's get to it. April 28th, a day where some things happened. But we're going to start off with Chicago Bulls at the Garden mm-hmm. facing our New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. Knicks coming off the heartbreaking loss to the Phoenix Suns, ending our nine-game win streak. It wasn't heartbreaking. I mean, it's heartbreaking if you were looking for 10 and you predicted in the podcast before. Yeah. I'm not going to name any names, though. Right? Yeah. Knicks looking for the season sweep of the Chicago Bulls. Fuck who had yet. <laughs> you had to say that Knicks <laughs> looking for the season shit. sweep of the Chicago Bulls who had just split a two game series against the Miami Heat looking to get to the 10th seed occupied by the Washington Wizards when you come into this game and you see that you look at the injury report which I did and I said hold up Zach Levine's out due to COVID we're going to start a new nine-game win streak with this one. Get back on track. Get back on track. You know what I mean? Uh, 10 out of the last 11 don't sound bad. Yeah. So that's what I was expecting. I was expecting the Knicks to come out, spank the Bulls, show how frustrated they were that the Suns beat them the last game. The Knicks started off the game going up big. This is the game where they went up 18 in the first. Yeah. And I was, I was out because Zach Levine's out. I think the Knicks are going to win this game. So I was out. I was drinking. But I still had the game up on my phone. I had it up to the side. Like, all right, I'm going to just keep track. And while I'm watching, I'm watching the first quarter. I'm like, all right, yeah, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And then I drink. I have a little sip of my of my Riesling. And then 10 minutes later, I look back down. And the Bulls is like within four points, five points. And then the Knicks were going to run. And I stopped paying attention again. And then I look back down. And the Bulls did the same thing. Like the first quarter, smoked them. Second quarter, it was it was that. It was like, hold up, how we was just up by like 15, 16 points. How how they back down too? Like what, not the Knicks, the Bulls. How like how did Bulls down too? Third quarter, same thing. Seemed to be combination of the Knicks taking the foot off the pedal and the Chicago Bulls utilizing Vucevic and Daniel Tice at the most opportune time, which is when the Knicks were taking the foot off the gas, to bring it close. I'm like, this, all right, I guess I guess this is gonna be a game. I guess I'm gonna have to start paying attention. And then the fourth quarter happens. Boy, oh boy, did the Knicks say, all right, we're just going to keep this acceleration going and we're not going to let up. So a few key moments in that fourth quarter. Hold on, before we get to key moments. Am I missing anything? Is there anything from the first quarter, second or third, that was particularly notable to you? No. You got it all pretty much for the most part. Because in the first half, it, was just, it wasn't it was exciting basketball. It was like, oh, we killing them. All right, they're coming back. All right, we holding them off. Mm-hmm. All right, they're coming back again. I feel like every game, the Knicks have a pattern. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that you do when you go into an establishment today? You check your temperature, right? No, I mean, That's, the first thing I do, first thing I do is like make sure my mask is on. But yeah, check the temperature. Yeah. Your mask should be on going into the establishment, young man. <laughs> but anyway, I feel like in the first quarter of every Knicks game, the team is just checking the, checking the temperature. They're just trying to see, like, do we got to play happen? for real? Like... If we play for real, this is what's going to happen. Is it, If it's going to be a close game, all right, we'll lock in. But if we go up 18 in the first quarter, man, yo, let the bench come in here and just start shooting threes from half court. Let, let them get 
Let, let them get in a little shooting rhythm for the playoffs. We don't got to worry about the Chicago Bulls like that. Mm-hmm. And they normally do this with teams that are like below 500. Teams that aren't that great. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this a lot. They keep letting them come back, then punch them back in the face until they get back down. Then they come back up because they still feel like they got a chance. Like It feels all too familiar for me because I'm a Knicks fan. Right. We've been seeing this for the last 10 years. <laughs> oh, the Knicks is coming back. Oh, they're going away. Wait, they're coming back again. <laughs> How the hell did we lose by 20 points? <laughs> That's a fact. This is the team that we are now. We get to appreciate games like this on the other side after years of being the Chicago Bulls. Sorry I interrupted and gave no, away no. the finale. But we about, we, well, this was one of my favorite games. Let's talk about how we got to being up 20 points, which the final of the game, Knicks 113, Chicago 94. A few key moments that happened in that fourth quarter. IQ put in his stamp where he scored 11 of his 13. He scored two points in the first three quarters. And then he said, all right, fourth quarter time, all right, 11 for your ass. Drop, you drafted Patrick Williams before me? Holeless. <laughs> Hold, hold this 11 hold points, this. please. <laughs> huge three. A huge three from 30 feet out in a quality layup before poor defensive decisions made him get five fouls. He wasn't playing. He was playing. He was shooting great, but I didn't like his decision making in this game. But he put his stamp on that fourth quarter, and he is one of the key reasons why we won this game. He is the reason I mean, why we won. It was close neck and neck it, going into the fourth. As soon as he came in. Well. Nerlens Noel's defense uh, yeah, was also right, key. You're right, my bad. Nerlens Noel. If you look, if you look at Nerlens' stat line, and and you know what, I'm not mad at you for forgetting about Nerlens because when I after I watched that first the first time, actually I watched it twice because I watched yeah. it at the ball, and then I rewatched it at home, yeah. and then I did my and then I was doing my little write up for this game, and I was looking at the stat lines and I said, hold up, yeah, Nerlens Noel, say his name, eight points. Uh-huh. Eight boards, right? Three assists, uh-huh. five blocks, four Let's steals. Talk about we, that. Who is what? Let's talk. That about is a it. that is a stat line. Let's talk about it. Who's starting when Mitch come back? Mitch, but <laughs> that is a stat line. It's a conversation now. No, it's a conversation. It's a stat, it's a stat line. Nerlens Noel. Man, I wish this was a team that I thought could make it to the finals because that is a that is a center that you want coming off of your bench. With a stat line like that, he is capable of that on some nights. Not every night. He's not on some nights he's not gonna get eight boards because he's frail. But on a night where he can, five blocks and four steals. Yeah. One of those blocks didn't end up being a didn't end up being a turnover, but Still, when you are able to do something like that, you make you put the pressure on the defense, even if they get the ball back. They have to put the shot up before the shot clock is over. So unless you shot that shot early in the shot clock, you don't have that much time left. It's almost going to be a turnover if it's not if the block doesn't force one. You need that sometimes. Blocks is not a great, great stat sometimes if you get a lot of blocks, but this team still scores. But nine times out of ten, Nerlens makes sure that the block is usually beneficial to your team. Yeah. Four steals is automatic turnover. So four four steals is like that's automatic. You made the other team turn turn the ball. Mm-hmm. So you need you need a guy like Nerlens to be in your rotation at the very least. 
And I love the how well, he gets those steals too. He gets those steals coming off the pick and roll every time. We'll, we'll come back. Guard, we'll come back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My fault. The point guard always tries like they're so accustomed. The NBA point guards are so accustomed to when you get a screen, you got a lane. He's coming in front of the point guard like I'll switch on to you and start swiping and then go back to my man. <laughs> so it always gets it gets like the point guard thinking while he's on the court now. Even when Nerlens doesn't get to steal, now they know like oh he he'll come into my my presence in my space and try to steal the ball away. So I can't just go and try try to drive to the lane and not protect the ball and look around and see who's open. Like you gotta have your head on a swivel at all times and understand who's who and where's where where's Nerlens Noel right now. Where's the point guard? Where's Alfred Payton? Because he gonna try to be sneaky after Nerlens come up and try and get the steal and. That's just the chemistry that they have together now that they've played so much together. And it's like, when Mitch comes back now. Well, we gonna hold, let's hold off on that. Let's hold off. Because that's, that's, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Let's finish off this, this it's Chicago Bulls game. Nasty. It's going to be nasty. Noel's defense was key. Four mm-hmm. steals, five blocks. One of which was clutch at the end of the fourth. And Nerlens is shooting threes now. Yeah, I didn't see that. You saw that? I did see that. I he shot that. the corner three and almost I made it. I did see that. I did see that. I'm like, and, nah. Nah. I was I was like, nah. If he, I don't know if they're showing something off for the playoffs, getting the stroke ready. I don't know. But Quickly shooting from half court. <laughs> like, yeah, I, bro, I, we are, the playoffs is going to be lit this year. I don't so, care who we play in the first round. No, I don't care who we play in the first round either. But I think the two key plays to end the, the fourth to make sure that this game was 100% over and done with was by Obi Toppin, your boy, mm-hmm. and R.J. Barrett. When I knew this game was over, firstly, when Obi shot a jump shot from the left side of the left side of the key, ran to, ran to the rim in anticipation of the miss, and then whoosh, pow, slammed the putback off his own miss. That's, That's hard name. to do. That's hard OB1. to do. It's hard to shoot a jump shot. Like, if, if you was shooting a layup, all right, cool. He shot a jump shot, drove to the lane, and grabbed the board, and in midair put it back. I was like, oh, this game's done. If you're doing that, this game's over. Obi you know, Richard Topperson. His middle name's Richard. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I said Topperson. You ain't even say nothing about that. Uh, Obadiah uh, well, Toppin. Hold on. What's his middle name? And, my, and he's having a baby. You saw that? Yeah, he I just announced that. he having a daughter. That's my guy, Richard jo- R- Richard Toppin. Obadiah Richard Toppin is having a baby this year. That play seemed to sway the momentum of the game permanently in the Knicks' favor. But the bill, the Bills, the Bulls stubbornly wanted to make this a game. But with two minutes and thirty nine seconds remaining, the Knicks up thirteen points, which you know that's kind of a blowout, but not really. You can still come back with 13, 2 minutes, 39 seconds. R.J. Barrett splashes the dagger three. Said, this is not a game. Off the Derrick Rose assist. Knicks win easily, easily. 20-point game from damn near. So, you mentioned our guy, Mitchell Robinson. And when he comes back, what's going to happen? Before you say anything else, let's take into account what's happening today and what happened last night. LeBron came back yesterday. Mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball was supposed to be out for the whole season. He came back today. Mm-hmm. Malik Monk came back today. Mm-hmm. And today, Tom Thibodeau was saying that Mitchell Robinson is healing at the rate that they expected. 
and he won't comment on whether or not he'll be back this season. Mm-hmm. But the way things is looking right now, he already on the court. He already practicing. He still got the boot on, but once that comes off, it's like that could be any day now. If that boot comes off, like at the end of the week, and then he starts practicing, getting in shape for the playoffs, oh, it's gonna be on. Cause he's probably gonna start off coming off the bench because he had a cast on his foot. He's not in the right condition right now. But once he get back in that condition and ready for the playoffs, Nerlens Noel's coming off the bench. And even if Mitch gets in foul trouble, you know who you got backing him up. And then you got Taj behind him. And then you got the other dude that we just signed, Norvell Pell. It's like, yo, this team is like, this team is next man up for real. Big 15 for real. Like, the hits don't ever stop coming. It don't matter who's injured. We have enough guys who are prepared to get the job done. Who wants to face that in the playoffs? That's what I want to know. Miami? Maybe. Miami's probably the only team I'm a little nervous about. Boston is inconsistent. They wilding right now with Jason Tatum. He just dropped 60 last night, but so this team is on another level. <laughs> last time we talked about Mitchell Robinson's injury, I said it usually takes six to eight weeks to recover. Mm-hmm. And unless you think the Knicks are going to make it deep into the playoffs, we probably shouldn't expect to see him on the court again. I'm expecting it. But now we are expected to get past the first round. Oh, yeah. And I just looked at when the NBA playoffs are scheduled to how long they are scheduled to be. Mm-hmm. The, let me pull out my paper real quick. And the NBA playoffs are from May 22nd to July 22nd. Mitchell Robinson injured. His ankle, March 28th. Ankle? I thought he broke his foot. I'm sorry, his foot. The fifth metatarsal in his right foot. Injured the fifth metatarsal of his right foot and underwent surgery. It was reported on March 29th, which means he technically could be healthy for round one of the NBA playoffs, which means if you really want to keep him out until midway through the series, you can. And if it looks like you're going to put the team away without him, you can wait wait. until the second round. Oh, my God. Now, when they do that, you hinted at there might be some decisions to make between Maryland's Noel and Mitchell Robinson. What decisions? It's a a conversation now. We can't just be like... Let me tell you why. This is not a conversation. I'm going to tell you why. While Maryland's Noel is good at the blocks and the steals, that doesn't necessarily make your defense better. Mitchell Robinson makes your defense better because for whatever reason, actually, I know the reason. Merlin's Noel is not intimidating. The fact that he gets blocks is intimidating. But when you see a path to the rim and all that's stopping you is Merlin's Noel, you're going to try him. It ain't been successful so far. You're right. But try more. That, sometimes you get successful. More often than not, you're not. But let me tell you what's more, what's better than being less successful than not when you try. What's better than that is not trying at all. Looking at the rim and seeing Mitchell Robinson, don't do that. They be trying him too. And for context. They do not They do not try Mitch the way that they try Nerlens Noel. They look at Mitch at the rim. And they may drive to the rim and they see he's there and they, drive and they take their ass right back out to the corner. If they catch him sleeping, they catch him sleeping. But that's the only way that they put the ball up 
nine times out of ten. Whereas nine times out of ten, they're going to try New Orleans Noel and get blocked. But Mitchell Robinson, without even having to jump, without having to do anything, is a defensive stopper. And he still gets the blocks. And he's better on the perimeter when he's – we was talking earlier about Nerland switching out and, and stealing the ball and all that stuff. When Mitch switches out, he goads you into shooting the three, and then he blocks the three. So Nerland's may be better at blocks when it comes to the rim, but Mitchell Robinson is a better overall when it, it's better overall when it comes to blocks because he can block you at the rim and he can block you at the three. For context, mm-hmm. Taj Gibson, right? He's our third string center when Mitch yep. is healthy. He was starting over Mitch last year, mm-hmm. and. He started this year due to talent, and he started this year when Nerlens was a free agent acquisition, still getting his rhythm when he got mm-hmm. when when the season started. They're in rhythm right now. Mm-hmm. They have an entire groove together right now with Nerlens as the anchor on defense. Before I, I'm going to interrupt you. Do you feel like when Mitch came back for those three games that they were out of rhythm? I don't think they were out of rhythm. Okay. It's pretty much the same type of game, but yeah, exactly. Right. In the playoffs, it's not going to be the same type of game. You're right. In the playoffs, you're going to be going against a coach who's scouted against you and is going to be game planning to make everything difficult for every one of your top players. You can't game plan against Mitch when Mitch hasn't been playing. So of course they're going to have he's going to play the same way he did before. They're going to have injured. a whole first round footage on Nerlens Noel. They're not going to have any footage except for the 10 games or so that Mitch played. and 10 games? He was playing for the first half of the season. Mitchell Robinson, 2021. I'm going I'm to look up his he played stats. At least he, played 30, games. he played yeah. 31 games. He played 31 games this year. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those games he came out of because he was hurt. Two. Well, that's a couple. So That's a lot of footage. I don't, And I don't think that – I don't think that – Mitch showed everything that he had to show this year because as we've seen throughout the season, the players that started off this year are not the same players that finished. So you're going to be game planning against old Mitchell Robinson footage where he wasn't showing everything that he could do. You don't know what he's learned while he's been out. You don't know what he's going to have the green light to do. You don't know. We just know what we've seen. We know that he hasn't practiced anything because he hasn't been able to even be on the court. With a foot injury, stuff. you can't get better. Well, you could probably get better he's practiced knowing stuff certain before things. Before the season, like the three-point shot, he's been practicing that for – and we don't know if – we don't know if – Nerlens Noel just shot a three. Nerlens Noel just shot a three. We didn't even – like, we was just like, oh, he's never going to shoot a three. If you would have told me before this last game if Nerlens is going to shoot a three before the season ends or in playoffs, I would have said no. But I don't know if he was told not to shoot, and now it's like, all right, you have the green light. I don't know if Mitch is allowed to shoot three. Like, I don't know. We don't know. We're just going off of what we've seen. So all I can can gather from what we've seen is that Mitch is a better defender than Nolan Noel. He's a better defender because he's more capable throughout the whole court on defense, and he's better because he can rebound better. And because he's a threat, and he's and he's a offense changing center, whereas Nerlens Noel is not. So I ain't rooting for Nerlens to take his spot. Just, I know, I, I know I you're like not, but you're saying like it's a conversation. But I don't, it's, I don't it's think it's, I don't think, I don't think it's a conversation for Tibbs. I think Tibbs is gonna is Tibbs says Mitch, you're healthy, you're in shape, 
you're in game shape, I think that you're going to help us. He's going to start. Also, and from my perspective. And the only way he's not going to start is if he feels like he has to have Nerlens and Mitch both play in the game because without both of them, they're going to lose the series. So Another he's going to have to get stat. him on the court. Nerlens is shooting 70 is shooting 70% from the free throw line. Mitch is shooting 49% from the free throw line. Matters not. He's not shooting no threes in the playoff series. <sighs> I can me. guarantee you that. I don't think he his is either. Three, but I'm, his threes are, are, they look good in the workout videos in the home gym in New Orleans, but we ain't seeing him shoot a, a three in preseason, so I doubt he's going to be shooting. He ain't even shooting mid-range. Nerlens well, has been shooting I, mid-ranges at least a few times throughout the season. I'm I'm not going to put too much stock into the free throw shit because I think that that was a lot of uh, Mitch's missed free throws was during a stretch where all of the Knicks were playing like trash or were shooting like trash from the free throw line. There was a stretch where we couldn't buy a basket at the free throw line. I was like, all right, maybe we should stop getting fouled and just start hitting our shots. Because oh nobody could hit a free throw. J- Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett. Most of that stretch was before Mitch got hurt. Is it because Mitch got hurt that we improved from the free throw line? Or was it just a bad stretch from everybody on the court? I don't know. But I can't put any stock into that. But I do agree with you. I think Mitch is still not a good free throw shooter. I still think he's not going to shoot at three. But I also feel like Tom Thibodeau is not letting certain players show their full capabilities until the end of the season, like Julius, like New Orleans, like R.J. Barrett. I think there are things that they're working on throughout the season that he's going to show in these last few weeks and in the playoffs. So I, I can't say without a doubt that New Orleans is definitely going to come off the bench. But Mitch was starting for a reason. When he first came back from his hand injury, he started. So that's what I'm going to go off of. So the other thing from this Suns game was Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin got some key moments. I, like I said, I thought he had a key moment in the game to help us win. And there was a topic I wanted to talk to you about last week, but because we tried to cut it short, I'm just going to bring it up this week. It's less of a discussion now because Obi's playing well. But mm-hmm. something that hit me a week or so ago. The only, There's only two players who can give Julius Randle a breather on this roster. One is Obi Toppin. The other is Kevin Knox. Both of these guys are on rookie contracts. Mm-hmm. Both of these guys were selected between the fifth and the tenth pick. Both of these guys were supposed to be our future or are supposed to be our future. Both of these guys haven't panned out the way that we thought they would when they came out of the draft. But only one of these guys is actually getting consistent minutes. And the question that I had for you was going to be, who should we be investing our time and effort into if Julius Randle is occupying 30 minutes a game, you have to give the bulk of the minutes to one and not the other. And we've been giving it to Obi Toppin, which means that ostensibly, unless we give Kevin Knox minutes last next season at the three, we're giving up on him. Who I should we be focusing on based on what we've seen? Well, there's been reports recently that Tibbs has been unhappy with Kevin Knox and they might try to shop him in the offseason, but... It, it, Kevin Knox is just in a bad spot this year playing behind Bullock and Burks, who are both professional NBA players who contribute to winning. And Kevin Knox is still trying to find his his feet in the NBA. And Tibbs is not 
he's not halting the development of the team to help Kevin Knox get right. He Kevin Knox has to just come in and be ready to just contribute the same same way Frank needs to be ready to come in and contribute whenever needed. And that's the reason why those two are at the end of the bench right now because they haven't proved that they can be relied on to win games or to play productive minutes that helps result in the win of in, in, in the team winning the game. And Obi Toppin, in the little bit of time that he has played here this season, he's contributed to wins for sure. He's also yeah. had a lot of bad spots where he looked like a rookie. He looked like he wasn't ready for the NBA. He looked like he was lost on the court. But he came back from all that. He came back from all that, and he's providing a role off the bench that's different from Julius Randle, but it brings something different to the bench as a group that allows them to flourish together whenever they're trying to come back from uh, a deficit or to add on to a lead. They just have a different rhythm whenever they're playing with Obi Toppin, and you don't feel that when Kevin Knox is on the court. You see him hit a few threes when he's hot, and that's it. He, well, played, he, he may play. He may make a few plays on defense occasionally, mm-hmm. but he's not. He hasn't ever had a sequence where he's the main reason why we made a comeback or scored. I don't know if I agree with you saying ever, but this season, yes, I will agree with you that you you may be pressed hard pressed to find a sequence this season where Kevin Knox. Has scored meaningful with a points. sequence or a score or no, he scored meaningful points this season. That he, it was earlier in the season when he was actually getting more consistent minutes, which was last earlier in the season when he was a more consistent player off the bench. I don't remember that. Well, it's hard to remember the beginning. Of the uh, yeah, that but, is true. That's but, also but, very true. That, but that's why that was why I was trying to stop you because the only reason that Obi Toppin is even getting these stretches and this ability to show that he can contribute is because he deserves as it. a meaningful play is because he's been playing every game. He's been he's been getting the opportunity that Kevin Knox hasn't, and even when he plays bad, he still gets that those minutes those that five to ten minute stretch that Kevin Knox was not getting. So how do even we know when that Kevin Knox is playing? How, how, but Last he was season, not getting the season before he hasn't contributed to winning basketball. Yeah, he last season, the season before. But where where are we judging Kevin Knox on last season, the season before, or We're are we going to judge whole. him based on what we've seen? And what we've seen this year, when he started the year, he was knocking down all his threes, and then Until he had a he little wasn't. slump. But he was never. Until but he, he never wasn't. was a, correct. But he was never allowed the chance to play through it the way that Obi Toppin has. The Obi Toppin started off the season and he wasn't great. It was just kind of like, oh, I like the way he passes it. I want to see him do better. And he got worse. So even when so it it's not even, it's not consistent. Because you you saying that about Kevin Knox, and you're absolutely right. He was shooting great until he wasn't. Obi Toppin was playing good until he wasn't, but he was still getting the minutes where Kevin Knox wasn't. And why do you think that is and should that be do, do you think that it should be okay he's not playing well let's see what the other guy let's give him consistent minutes probably I don't not think that's probably how they operate i but do you I, think that they like should the have coaching. do you think that from the way that Tibbs coaches and i'm trying to say something without saying it but i just want to hear what your thoughts are on this obi toppin is getting minutes regardless of whether he plays good or not kevin knox is getting minutes until he stops playing well, and then it's just platitudes and 
when we need him at the end of games, if he can shoot, he'll shoot. He's still getting pulled. Yeah, because that's all he brings. That's the only valuable he, thing we've seen from Kevin Knox is, is, is his shooting. I think and he's good in transition. I think he's good in transition as well. And I think that, but outside of those two things, his ability to shoot and his ability to run and finish in transition, you're right. He doesn't bring a lot, but I don't think Obi Toppin has shown that he can bring a lot either. He's shown flashes, but Kev has shown flashes in the past also. So there's Obi not really much, there's not really much difference. No, he has not been consistent. He's been consistent he's- in the stretch. He's been consistent recently, but for the season, can I say that from beginning to end, we've seen the same Obi Toppin? No, I cannot say no, that. No, no, the no, no, Obi no. Toppin that we're seeing now is the Obi Toppin that we have not seen all year, and I I contribute that to the fact that he has been getting consistent minutes, whereas somebody else who plays the same position has not. Here's where if you... we if we gave him those minutes, would he have found success the way that Obi Toppin has? Probably not, but we'll never know. It's because it's a decision that was made before the season, in my opinion. Here's where you contradict yourself. Because we're not going to say Obi Toppin hasn't been consistent because he hasn't had a, a game where he's looked lost in how long. He hasn't had a game where he looked like he didn't belong on the court in how long. It's been a, it's been a while. He's, had, he's not scoring 30 points, 20 points, even 15 points in a stretch. He's just, when he's on the court, you see him doing things that lead to, to, to winning. And he's been doing that for the last month and and some change. Like he's been he's been consistent in this time that he's been playing, and he's only been playing up to ten minutes, eleven minutes a game. When we've seen Kevin Knox this year and years past, when he's playing, and you see glimpses and you see things that he does that can contribute to winning, how long does that last? It lasts a few games, and then we don't see it anymore. You see it. In, in a blowout win against the Hornets when he comes into the game and scores nine points in like two minutes, or you see him in the preseason where he just can't miss a three against the Pistons, and you see it a few games throughout the season. But when you play him consistent minutes throughout a stretch of games, you don't see the same thing every game. It's erratic. You see him play good in the end when the game don't matter, and then when it's another game and he comes in, he's shooting threes, it's not even close to going in. And I like Kevin Knox. I feel like if we keep him, he's going to turn out to be something good. But I've seen more from Obi Toppin, even though he's not putting up the points and putting up the numbers. And I've seen more in terms of what he brings to rebounding, what he brings as a shot blocker, what he brings as a dunker in transition, what he brings as a passer, what he brings in the post. It's just a lot more you can grab from when you see his bag versus Kev's bag. Kev is just a corner shooter for the most part when he's hot. When he's not hot, he doesn't bring anything. Obi doesn't need to be hot in order to bring something to the court. He's going to set screens. He's going to chase rebounds. He's going to go for putbacks. He's going to go for blocks. He's not going to play the best defense, but he's going to. He's getting better throughout the year. He's gotten better on defense. He's gotten better on making the right reads, making the right cuts, making the right attempts and effort to go after loose rebounds and go after putbacks and stuff like that. And you don't see that from Kevin Knox. That's why I feel like he's getting those minutes over Kev. And he's going to be a, a piece of the of the future for long term. Coming off of Kevin Knox, there is something that happened today. Also, uh, some news that 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 came out that the Knicks are willing to part with three to four draft picks as long as they don't have to trade Obi Toppin or R.J. Barrett to acquire Damian Lillard. <laughs> I heard about that. You How do you feel about question? that? I think that's 
That should go without saying. No, 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 no. Not about the three, four, four first round picks. Damian the Lee. fact that they are only willing to part with these picks if they're allowed to keep R.J. Barrett and that, keep O.B. Toppin. Is that? It's from a reliable source. Is that source. the phrasing? Is that the phrasing that they're only willing to, to part with these three, three picks? Because I, I think that if you, if I think that if it it is a Damian Lillard type name, the Knicks would. It's the same thing. I just think that it would be there. There are. I'm sorry. What were the names? Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett. Who else? I didn't say Julius Randle. Okay. R.J. Barrett. Only R.J. Barrett and only Obi Toppin. They already, know, they already know we're not going to give up Randall. We're not giving up possibly Mitch. Maybe Mitch is. Oh. Maybe Mitch could go. I don't know. But well, we're not giving up RJ or Obi. I, I think that's. Yeah, I don't. I, we haven't seen anything from Obi to <sighs> make me feel like, oh, yeah, don't give up Obi in this trade. Yeah, you can have the three picks and Obi topping for Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's one of the best point guards in the game. If they want Obi and that's the sweetener, give him up. This there is that. How many levels? How many levels are there between Obi and RJ? Just those two. There's too many levels between Obi and RJ. So, I mean, the fact that they're like, "Oh, Obi's untouchable," but we'll give you three. That that kind of makes me roll my eyes a little bit. Why? But Lillard is thirty. Yeah. So we're only gonna have him. And he's on a big contract. And he's on a big contract. A four-year deal. Yeah. And he's on a big contract. So there are things about the deal that I'm not super happy with. But then you think about what a roster with Damian Lillard, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson looks like. And thinking about the fact that our rotation rotation wouldn't change much. Because if you think about three to four. Throw quickly in there. No. No, throw quickly in that lineup, I'm saying. Oh, I'm about to say. Yeah, I'm saying that the draft picks that, that we lineup. have, we have three to four draft picks in just the next two years. Right, and that's why I'm. All, I'm like, yeah, take take one of them picks, and they're not going to be good picks. They're not going to be good picks. They're not going to be good Dallas picks. They're not going to be good picks. Dallas picks, Knicks picks. They're not going to be great picks because if we're expecting the Knicks to be good, Dallas, we're hoping to be bad, but. I mean, they're probably going to be good too. They're not going to be bad. Have as many team. picks as you want. Four, five, ball. whatever. Have them give all. Me, Damian Lillard Tom. is a bucket. One of the best point guards in the league. Are there better ones? Yeah. But when it comes to winning time, I don't know outside of Chris Paul who I'd rather have on the court as my point guard than Damian Lillard. I don't think I can name one. Damian Lillard is Mr. Clutch from that, from that guard spot. When Damian you need a Lillard. bucket at the end of the game, so have Obi Toppin because Obi Toppin will never be Dame on his best day. I believe that. He he won't. He won't. If he would, he would have shown a lot more than he's shown by now. It's he would have shown can't compare it like that though, because you're not giving you up. Can't, because they're not the same they're not the same type type of player, but I don't Even think if they were, gonna have Obi's never gonna have that type of impact. Like you don't know that and I and maybe one day he'll shut me up and I hope he does, especially if he's still in the Knicks uniform. But I just don't see it. I don't five see, I don't years believe, ago, people would be saying that they like didn't. That. They didn't. They ain't believe in Giannis like that five years ago. They ain't believe in. They didn't believe in Julius Jimmy. Randle. They ain't believe in Julius <laughs> Randle. They ain't believe in Jimmy Butler when he got drafted. Like you got to give him time. But five years, five years ago, you could see it with Giannis. 
You could, could you see, see it. it with Kawhi as a rookie? Could you see it with Jimmy Butler as a rookie? Not as a rookie, but that's what I'm saying. It didn't take long for Kawhi. It didn't take long, and he was and and it's different because of the franchise that he came up under. Franchise he came up under long. was the Spurs. It didn't. It didn't take long. It took a few couple years, but the franchise he came up under was the Spurs. They they have a habit of turning these second round, late first rounders into franchise players. So. If you told me that the Spurs picked up Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi Leonard is going to be one of the best players in the NBA in five years, I would have said makes sense. If you would have told me that Giannis, who the Greek freak, he was nicknamed that because of his profile and what they were thinking he could possibly do. If you remember, they were trying to run Giannis at point guard after they tried to run him at small forward and pop, like they've played him in every single position. So before Giannis became Giannis, he was it's like I, we, we don't even know what to do with this guy because of his profile. So even though he wasn't there yet, you could see it. It's just about how you could put it together and hoping that certain things would come together for Giannis. I can't see nothing like that with Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. I'm not even saying that Obi's going to be a star. I'm just to, saying has to look completely enough. different on the court for me to believe. He has to look nothing like he looks right now on the court. To be a serviceable to NBA that player? Gonna, he'll be a serviceable NBA player, but I'm, we're just talking about to give him up for Dane. But it's, it's not, not a yeah. one, it's not a straight up trade is what I'm saying. He's going to be no, serviceable to not. the point where he I can know be it's not, but it's not, a but he can, guy off he can go, he can go with or without the picks. Like, I, like RJ Barrett. No, I'm not giving up RJ Barrett for Dane. Like, Why not? Because RJ Barrett. The same thing you said about Obi. Could be said about rookie year R.J. Barrett. Could be, but I believe that rookie. I've seen stuff in rookie year R.J. Barrett. I thought R.J. Barrett could have scored 30 points last year because he was cooking. I can't see Obi Toppin scoring 30 points this year, even if Julius Randle wasn't Julius. Even if Julius, but I'm saying from looking at his game, like I watched R.J. and watched how hard he, like Obi and R.J. both known for the same things. They're hard workers. They love the game. They're winners. They can't come in. From the draft, highly touted. When I saw RJ on the court, it was like, all right, I, I can. He's not playing well, but I can see it. I can see him pulling off some things with his strength, with his savvy, with his intelligence. That he's going to be a good player. He may not be an all star. He may not be a superstar. But if he becomes an all star, and even less so if he becomes a superstar, I can see it. I can't see it with Obi. I can't. I can see him being Obi. a very good. I can see him being a very good player in the starting lineup, and that's it. And I can see him doing that by shooting well, by hitting them picks, by doing all the things he's doing that we're seeing he can do well now by improving in those things. But I don't see him having a Julius Randle type effect in his career. I don't. And well, he doesn't it's have up to, to have him. a Julius Randle It's up Randall to him. Effect. He has to have a Julius Randle type effect in his career for me to say, we're, I'm not giving him up for Damian Lillard. That's what he'd have to. That's what it'd have to be. Whereas R.J. Barrett is like, yeah, I could see R.J. Barrett having a Julius Randle type effect. I can see that from him, and I could see that from him last year. Did I think it was likely? No, but I could see it happening. I don't see it happening with Obi. So, if they want him, if that's the if that's the line, all right, that was the line. Here you go. Here's Obi Toppin. That's 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 where I'm at. Obi Toppin has only been playing ten minutes a game. Don't care. <laughs> So what do you see like what's the number you think he can't average scoring for a year? 
I don't know if there's an average that he can't because remember he came in he was when he came in he's we were expecting 20. that he was gonna give he was gonna give us twenty a game because he was a scorer in college. So when he came into the league, we were expecting him to be a contributor on offense, whether he started or not. I, we thought he was gonna make it a question. If Julius Randle came in this year the way he came in last year and was doing the same shit, we thought he was going to make it questionable as to far as who's going to get the minutes when the season started, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And it's not – even if Julius Randle came in the way he came in last year, it still wouldn't have been a question as to who should be starting unless you were talking about trading Julius and starting it's not off – fair to say. It's not fair to say, but I'm sorry if I'm comparing this year Obi in, in his 15-minute stretches of where he played games or even in the preseason. In preseason games, I thought he played better in the preseason games than he did in any in most of these regular season games. But even in the preseason what games, did that I tell you? Like I, even in those preseason games, I felt like Julius Randle was, had played better. I still wanted him gone because he still played like old Julius Randle in the preseason games. But Obi didn't show out the way that I was expecting him to show out. And I was just like, well, maybe maybe it's just going to be like Chris Stapps or RJ when they start off slow. But he never got better from there. He was never trying to show out. He was just trying to fit into what the team needed him to be. And in the, in the preseason, he never That's, even played I see it. a big portion of minutes. Until we've seen Kobe Toppin play at least 18 I, minutes in a game. Then, then I could understand. We say, "Oh, I'm not. I, I, I give him away for anything right now." Like we ain't even seen him play. I'm not He's playing that. ten minutes a game. He only averaged four points this season. His I'm per thirty six is thirteen points per game. Okay, that's not great. I'm saying though, if he's playing, you you got a chance to see him be something better than what he is, and we haven't seen Absolutely. him play yet. If but you he, give him but, but a few telling years me? under Tom Thibodeau, he can turn out to be a completely different player from how he looks in his rookie year. If you're telling me that per 36 minutes in a game, Obi Toppin is averaging 13 points per game, I'm saying to you, that's not great. That's it, He's not holding up a deal for Damian Lillard. Is he holding up a deal for, I don't know, give me a starter. Give me a starter on a, on a team. I can't put no value on Obi Toppin until I I'm not even telling you to put a, put a value. Years. I'm just, all I'm saying is if you're putting a, if you're just saying average starter on a winning team, Right. If we not, don't not, have to not address. like not like LeBron or or like this is that like that's where I put Dame. Dame is in that upper. He's in them top three tiers, top four tiers of players. For right. How long? But once you get but once you get below that, it doesn't matter. Once you it get matters. below those tiers, once you get below those tiers, and we start talking about Demar Derozan, let's say, when we get below those tiers, and we start talking about you know somebody on those then that type of level where it's like yeah they're gonna contribute they're gonna be a boom for your team. I'm not necessarily giving up Obi Toppin because Obi Toppin could be that or better. But Dame Lillard, I don't. Sorry, I, you. He's not. If you said Mitch, all right. I don't agree, but I can see it because Mitch has shown that he can be a game changer. RJ has shown that he can I be a game changer. Julius Randle has shown he could be a game changer. Emmanuel quickly has shown he could be a game changer. If they say they will accept, accept two first-round picks in Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox, I'd make that trade. Absolutely. But they said not- three first-round picks at Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox, I'm making that trade. But that's probably the line, you know, depending on what other players that you're saying give up. You know what I mean? But that's a lot. It, it, we don't have many. We don't have many players that are beyond one-year contracts. So if it's like 
re-sign Alec Burks and trade him, uh, I guess, you know, we still got Reggie. But just to specifically name Obi, I have a little bit of a problem with that because Obi is not that dude to hold up a trade for Dame Lillard. I don't oh, care no, how no. old he is. I don't care how old he is. I don't care about his contract. The fact that we have a window because teams ain't got, teams don't stay stick around with the same players for 10 years anymore. Like, like we're fourth seed now. We are looking at four years to maybe five max of trade trying to build, trade of trying to – yeah, I would trade Frank before I trade Obi too. I'm, that's not the argument. If Frank is the holding up, nah, you can have Frank. And I love Frank. Me and you both love Frank. Actually, I think me and you both love Frank more than we love Obi. But we would give up Frank before Obi because Frank hasn't shown – and it's the same thing. Frank hasn't shown the capability to be – a consistent game changer. Because I think even Frank has shown more to be a game changer than Obi Toppin has this year, which is not fair, but I think I can even go back to rookie season Frank and be like, yo, Frank, I'm pretty sure Frank had a game winner in his first year. Not a with game the winner, but a, 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 a shot. A game ceiling shot. Yeah. And he's did and he's done defensive stuff to seal games and stuff like that. Like, I don't see any of that with Obi. I think Obi has committed and done some game has helped us win games with his play, but I'm sorry, man. He, he he has to show me something, even though he's playing behind Julius Randle, which isn't fair, even though he's only getting 10 minutes a game, which is not fair. Even though he hasn't had the ability to show, it's not fair. But you know what? We were just talking about Kev. It's probably not fair for Kev either. We don't know if this year was going to be the year that he made that leap. We don't know. He but he's not being opportunity, he's, though. Yeah, okay. So, well, we can say the same thing for Obi. He had his he opportunity did. this year to he to, to in a rotation. To, to, he, well, I'm gonna. That's my way to cue into because I've hinted at it long enough. I think Obi is only in the rotation because of his relationship with Leon Rose. I don't think that's how Tibbs rolls. I don't think that's how Tibbs rolls, but I think that's how Leon Rose rolls. And I'll tell you why. We already talked about Mitch versus Nerlens. We already talked about Obi versus Kev. So this is right on. Actually, I'm gonna hold on to that. No, actually, I'm not. Did you watch that or listen to that Julius Randle, Woj Pod? Come on, man. You know the vibes. I listen to everything Knicks. Okay. You heard about... Shitting me? You heard about the dinner? Yeah, I heard about it. And that happened after a losing streak that we went on where probably after the impromptu press conference. Right. Now, that's probably what so for those of that you, that dinner happened. So for those of you who didn't listen, Julius Randle went on the Woj Podcast... Very good interview, by the way. My and so far. he was upset because we just had a really bad game. He called up his agent and was like, Yo, I, need, I need to talk to you. I, yeah. I don't know if you watched that. If you listened to that uh, Macri podcast yep. where they were talking about it. And yep. they pinned it down to that game. To that exact game. Shout out to Jonathan <laughs> Macri. And why do I always forget the other dude's name? I like him. The, like one of the most. He's one Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy Cohen, the coincidence. The coincidence. That's a, there's a lot of good Knicks podcasts, but please keep listening to us. So here, after the Kings game, we got blown out, really bad game, called up his agent. They went to dinner. Who do they see? Oh, this is important. Alfred Payton was at that dinner too with his agent. Yeah. Leon Rose was there before he was the team. Leon Rose was there. World Wide West was there. World Wide West was there, and Kenny Payne was there. And Kenny Payne was there. Before. And long story, long story less long. 
Julius and Alfred put all their moans and gripes out for Leon Rose and World Wide West to hear. And Leon Rose and World Wide West end up becoming the team president, general manager, head of operations for the New York Knicks El midway through the season. Or you know, right around COVID, right around COVID time that was announced. Before Leon COVID. Rose is it was before, but it was close. It was maybe like two In weeks area. before. Yeah. yeah, it was about two weeks before everything shut down. Leon Rose is very good friends with James Dolan and Worldwide West is. Matter of fact, that might be part of the reason why they were hired. Tom Thibodeau is very good friends with Leon Rose. And Worldwide West. And Worldwide West. William Wesley. Which might be part of the reason why they were hired. And matter of fact, could never check it was it was vital because one of the things that Julius Randle told Leon Rose in World Wide West, which he said in that podcast, which is something that I thought spoke volumes for Julius. They asked him, what do you need? He said, the thing I need if I want to be an all-star is I need a coach that's going to hold me accountable. So if you have a friend that you know is going to hold his players accountable, and you don't even have to be Tom Thibodeau's friends to know that. That's the type of coach he is. Why wouldn't you hire him as the head coach? But the reason I'm bringing all this up. That's the reason why I wanted Julius Randle jersey. I blame him for all our success this year. One of the main questions that me and you have been asking is, how is Alfred Payton still starting? And this interview... Maybe that's not enough proof in the pudding for some of you, but even the Knicks Film School podcast kind of hinted that that might be that dinner might be part of the reason why Alfred Payton is still starting and getting as many minutes as he is, even when everything points to the contrary. Even though with every game when he's out there, the Knicks aren't playing great. He comes out, Derrick Rose comes in, and we go on a run. Even though all the stats say and the advanced stats say and everything in the world, the eye test says. Knicks play better when Alfred Payton don't play. Something that will keep starting him and keeps giving him minutes. So I'm inclined to believe that regardless of what Tom Thibodeau believes, he was given a directive that Alfred Payton and his agent have to be kept happy. So he has to be allowed every chance to at least increase his value in the league. So he can't not start. He can't get a demotion. He can't come off the bench. He can't see his minutes reduced or, well, actually, his minutes have already been reduced because it's coming to playoff time. And the playoffs are more important than keeping Alfred Payton happy. But I think Tibbs th- thinks that he can still win with Alfred Payton starting with reduced minutes. I'm blaming that as the reason why Alfred Payton is still playing and starting over Emmanuel Quickly and Derek Rose. Politics. And Obi Toppin is very good friends with Leon Rose, family friends. There is a link there. If you're a Knicks fan and don't know that, that is a thing. One of the reasons why Obi Toppin was picked where he was, outside of the fact that he was a, a very good player in college. Best player it's not, it's not, too. It's not, he was the best player available. It's not a stretch to say that he was picked on his own merit. He was. But there is something there, additional, as far as why he was picked at eight, as opposed to other players who might have been more beneficial to the roster. Knowing that you have Julius Randle, you pick somebody who was predicted to be a starter right away. You ignore that and you picked him. Part of that was because best player available. Part of that might be because I know this kid. I know he's a hard worker. He's a close family friend. I want to see him on my team. So when I ask, why is Obi Toppin getting all these minutes? 
every game, regardless of how well he plays or how badly he plays over Frank, over Kev, because they have both been praised by Tibbs too. They have both been getting high praise from Tibbs and been called hard workers and doing everything in practice that you would assume Obi Toppin is doing. That, I think, is the reason why Obi Toppin, without fail, it's similar to the Alfred Payton thing. I think that Tibbs was told, yo, this is our first round pick. It's going to look bad for us to not play him. You got to give him at least five minutes a night. Let him let him show. So he doesn't matter. Like if you can find a way to get him five minutes, we're good. If you think that he can help you out and play him more, play him more. But you got to play him every game. And that's why Obi Toppin has played, I want to say, 53 games this year. Yep. 53 games this year. And that's why Kevin Knox has only played in 39. Because when there are games where we could use shooting, Kevin Knox has sometimes played and sometimes not. But Obi Toppin has played in every game, regardless of what he brings to. And that's, it's not a gripe because we're winning, but I feel like that might answer some questions that we might have as far as Obi, as far as Tom Thibodeau is not a guy who plays young guys like that. He don't play rookies like that unless he thinks that they can help him win. And Obi Toppin has shown the propensity to fall off a cliff the same way all his other young players have. But he's the only one who seems to buck that trend that his other young players haven't. Except for quickly. Except for quickly. But that's because quickly, always, regardless of whether he's shooting well or not, always contributes to helping the team. Just by being on court. Just by being a threat. Whereas Obi Toppin is not necessarily a threat every game. Something just food for thought. You got anything you want to say about that? I think the relationship that Leon Rose and... World Wild West and these guys, they have with the with with Julius Randle. I don't believe that. I don't believe that they picked Obi Toppin to be the next superstar of the Knicks. I believe that they picked him to be Julius Randle's backup because they know that he's going into the lab to do whatever it takes to win this season. They know that everything that they did this offseason was to get. Julius Randle, everything he needs in order to bring this team to the playoffs. And every move that they've done so far has been very calculated. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing that makes me very unwilling to just give up on Obi is because of the fact that these people saw something that nobody else saw for this year. Mm-hmm. I certainly had no type of expectations to be anywhere above 30 wins, and we have a chance to get 40. I'm thinking we're going to be looking at Cade Cunningham, Jersey, Photoshop <laughs> pictures all year long. We're going to be Same. a whole bunch of blowout games where we got to find some type of light at the end of the tunnel where we got to convince ourselves like, oh, this little stretch right here can contribute to winning basketball in the future. We could probably finally, we could finally see Frank contribute. Like they saw everything before this season ever happened. They knew what was coming. In the beginning of the year, they were saying, the Knicks are here. We're, we're, we, we're back. Mm-hmm. Every player on this team has the confidence that this team is going somewhere different. In the training camps, Austin Rivers was saying there's something different about this team. It's an intensity with this team. It's some, this team is going to be headed back to where they probably should have been for a while. And that's in the playoff hunt. So Alfred Payton, even though he's been dog, you know what I'm trying to say? Mommy, I can't disrespect him knowing that you just spoke to me. <laughs> so 
Even though Alfred Payton is doing a lot of things that we as the fans don't love, he's doing things on the court that also leads to winning whenever he's not playing stupid. He's doing a lot of things. He's barking orders at his teammates to get them in the right position. He's setting plays up perfectly to get Julius Randle all them open shots that he gets. He's doing all the little things that help Julius Randle feel comfortable on the court. And that's probably why he Julius Randle feels so obligated to keep Alfred Payton into the starting five and get the team off to the certain stuff that they need to get to to get that that led to them getting this record. Because as much as we hate Alfred Payton, he's been the starting point guard on the team that has gotten 30, how many wins we got now? To 35 wins. We got to 35 wins with Alfred Payton as our starting point guard. Not all of them. Maybe when he wasn't injured, but he was only injured for what, 15 games, 20 games total? I'll look into that. After... Like we, Uh-oh. the season's almost over, and he he was on the court for most of those wins for the most part. Yeah, he was. He's played fifty four games this year. That says something too. We can't just ignore it because we don't like Alfred Payton, but he's I been think, uh, a part of our some of our best stretches of games the last few games too. He was also when some parts of our games started to switch. That started happening when Alfred was out. When we were playing great against Brooklyn. I don't remember if it was the first or second time that we played him. We played that game without him and we almost won that game without him. And I feel like that was because Derek Rose and Frank Nilakina were out there as opposed to Alfred Payton. And we did have a game where we played with him and we could have won that game too, but I I don't know. He does love things I'm hard hard pressed to I'm hard pressed to Give Alfred Payton his props because, according to every test there is, he makes us worse. It, it just—it's just telling when you look at stats and they say you put Alfred Payton in, in the game, we're more likely we're gonna—we're probably gonna lose. If you have him off the court and you have Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly instead, we're gonna win. That—that's what the stats say. We're not—we don't have to get into the advanced stats to say it, but. You, you can just watch the games and look and see, like, oh, a lot of times when we're in tough games to start the games, even if it's, like, against a bad team, once you pull Alfred out and put IQ or D-Rose in, we start looking like we could win again. Like, we look like ourselves. The numbers sometimes Alfred, all the time. sometimes it doesn't, but you can see it. And sometimes it's like Alfred has played well in a couple of the games recently. But it says a lot when – which game was it? It was either the Bulls game or it was the Suns game. I think it was the Suns game. The Suns game, he Alfred Payton played. Plus minus. Alfred Payton played real good. Mm-hmm. He had the highest plus minus on the team that game. He played 14 minutes. He's the only one with a plus uh, rating. He played 14 minutes when he played really well. And why did he play 14 minutes? Because the team was playing better with Derrick Rose. And that's an, the, the fact that he's had a good game, that's an outlier. That's an outlier. So he had a good game and still got outplayed by the backup point guard. Listen, I, I wouldn't going, trade. We, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade. Rose. I wouldn't trade this season to not have Alfred Payton. I wouldn't. Right. I'm not going to I'm not going to keep bitching and, and moaning because Alfred Payton is on the is on the team, because apparently the fact that he's on the team, it's, it is a reason why we're winning, regardless of the fact that him actually being on the court makes us lose. The fact that he is on his team has was part of the reason why we turned it around. Started with that dinner, but I can't wait until 
I can see what this team looks like with a real elite threat at the point guard position. Doesn't even have to be elite. Doesn't doesn't have to be elite. But you have to. You I would prefer two. If it's elite, I would prefer one through five to be elite. But if the if we had an elite point guard, we have a chance at a title. If we have Jalen Brunson and we are able to get a star to play alongside Mitch. RJ, yeah, but who's the star? Or Ju- or Julius, RJ, Brunson, and Mitch, either at the two or the three. Who? It's the same thing. But who? I'm talking about with this I mean, roster just... we have right now. If we re-sign everybody and just add the our elite point guard, that's a championship contender. I don't think so. I think you need two. I think you need two pieces. Unless you know for a fact RJ is going to be that guy. Because he still ha- that's that leap that's the hardest leap to make. The hardest what? leap to make is to go from where RJ where R- not even where RJ is at. The hardest leap to make is All Star Julius to All NBA Julius. That's the hardest leap to make. He's looking like All NBA right now. And right. If RJ makes but, that leap next year, and we get an elite point guard. And all saying, RJ has to do is be a solidified third option with RJ's an elite not, point guard. RJ is not All Star yet, so. We, we have to see that be. first. We have to see that first. So if he can get there, you're still asking him to do just a little bit more because you need three elite at this point because Brooklyn has three elite. You know, yeah, LA has two elite. Court. LA has two elite. You don't need so. Nah, all right, well, I feel like with two elite scorers, you have a you have a chance, but three guarantees you the championship. So anyway, if you're healthy. We, we, if you're healthy, the thing so, about Brooklyn is they ain't never be they're not healthy, and the more, and the other contenders only have two. So I'm gonna just stick with my theory that elite point guard changes. Uh, Chris Paul on his team, and we have, we're the best we, team in We're NBA. also asking Julius Randle to repeat not what he's done this year, but asking him to repeat what he's done this last month and a half for a full season. So we still have to see that if he could, if this is something that he could just do when the season ends, or if he could do it throughout a season. If he or had a, or, an or not even throughout the season. If he does it throughout the playoffs, which is the real test. If he can do it throughout the playoffs and you have an elite point guard, then I agree with you. But we It'd have to that see. Much if, we to have do. to see if that's the case, though. We still don't know if that's the case. If if he's just able to do this now, but when playoffs come, he fizzles out, which I don't think he will. I think he'll still be this guy, but the pressure is going to be up. Pressure's going to be on, and they're going to scout him way more than they have in the regular season. So we have to be on the lookout for that, too. We can't we can't start talking like, oh, all we need is an elite point guard, and we're going to win the chip. We just, there's still too much we don't know. No, no, and, no. That's not what I was saying. I'm saying we would be a contender. And all you well, have to do or, in the or, playoffs this year is tell Alfred's man to go and double Julius Randle, and then that's going to make a world difference. If nobody can double-team Julius Randle, you're not you. stopping Julius Randle from scoring. I agree it's with you. It's as simple as that. Next season... It's going to be even easier for him to replicate this season if he has somebody who's a threat at the at the point guard. I agree if you have someone you, who could who could score 24, 25 points a game and then you're a point guard and you have Julius Randle beating up your power forward and your big man who everyone you try to throw on him one-on-one, he's beating him up. And every time you try to double, he's, he's passing it off to the guy who's averaging 25 points a game. And then you have R.J. Barrett standing in the corner who you know is a guaranteed bucket. Like... And then you got Mitch down low stopping you from scoring. It's like, bro, that's a scary team right there. And then on the bench, you got IQ coming in with D-Rose 
Nerlens no I'm telling you, this team is different. We like one person can change everything on this team. I agree with you. In the beginning of this podcast, I said with Chris Paul, we're the best team in the NBA. Just with ten extra wins. I I I, I said it's I not hard, I'm hard pre- I'm hard pressed to disagree with you when it came to Chris Paul, which means that I kind of agree with you when you say all we need is an elite point guard. And Chris but Paul doesn't even I average still, 20 points. I still I still want to see what this team looks like in the playoffs before I jump out the window like that. And maybe that's just me being a Knicks fan who's been hurt too many times and doesn't want to jump off the ledge. Maybe. Maybe it's because I've seen that they couldn't get it done in the 90s to win the chip. And then 20 years of mostly bad basketball with only one real chance at us actually being a chip contender in that 20 years. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's doing it to me, but I, I need to see more. I can't, I can't see us going from no playoffs. One of the worst teams in the league to fourth seed to championship contender with one piece. I just, I just can't see it. And that's essentially what it is. Like we didn't get, we didn't get a piece this year outside of our rookies. Like we didn't sign anybody. We had who we brought. We brought back who we had last year. We picked up Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, Manuel quickly, Obi Toppin, Alec Burks, and that was it. Am I am I forgetting somebody? Like not that I could think of. That those those are the pieces we added. That's not that's not oh we added a piece. Those are those are just guys. So it's essentially the same team except for those guys, hey. and none and they're good don't get me wrong but Some guys that come it's back not like adding it's not like adding chris paul it's not like so you're telling me that we just have to add one guy to the guy from last year one elite piece and just role players around them and now we're a championship contender i yeah i need to see more before you want to know that. why i say that because why? the same way we saw that big jump from rj from his rookie year to this year you're going to see a big jump from players who are a part of this rotation from this year I to expect, next year? I expect Obi, to see quickly. You don't you don't expect to see a jump from them too? There's gonna be a difference between this year and next year with Obi Top, and I promise you that. I okay. promise you that he's gonna be oh. looking a whole lot better. With when's the last time we've came into a season off of a winning season? It's been five years. Since it's you. been a long time, mm-hmm. and. How many times coming into that season from the winning season did we have the same group of guys? Exactly. If you keep the same group of guys together to keep building on this chemistry that they had from this year where they was the underdogs and they know that next year they ain't going to be coming into the game like, oh, it's the Knicks. We're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll pack them up in two quarters and then we'll go and rest the rest in the second half. They know that's not coming. They know it's going to be a part two, 2.0. We're going to be ready for the Knicks. So we got to be how, ready to play likely- against these teams. How likely we're going on a minute thirty-seven right now, so an hour thirty-seven. You mean an hour thirty-seven? How likely do you think we it is that we're going to bring in the exact same roster next year? Well, it's not going to be the exact same roster because we're going to have to make some trades. We got to do something with these draft picks because if we're if we're looking, who to do keep... you think who do you think is not coming back? <sighs> That's a tough question. Well, yeah, you you set yourself up for this question because you you're saying got to bring back this roster, okay? If I had we got to a guess. lot of guys on one-year deals. If Jones I had to Noel, guess. Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock's contract is ending. Derrick Rose's guess. contract is ending. Frank Nilakina. If I had to guess Derrick Rose is coming back, I would guess that Taj Gibson might be spending his last year coming back. I see Bullock 
coming back. I see. I could see Burks not coming back if we replace yeah. if we replace Alfred with an elite scorer. I could see Burks not coming back because of the contracts. I see okay. Nerlens coming back. I see. I probably said Nerlens already. I see Frank possibly not coming back, mm-hmm. and I see Kevin Knox possibly getting traded for a star. Because if you Which think who? about it, this package that not they gonna say Kevin Knox. not going to be Kevin Knox alone. Kevin Knox. Kevin Frank. Knox and picks ain't going to get it done for a star. No, maybe for a starter, not a star. Even Yo, Kevin Knox, Frank traded, and picks. They traded Harden for Karis Levert. I mean, not for Karis Levert for. Victor Oladipo. <laughs> so which one of those guys is Victor Oladipo? Oladipo right now is nothing special. That's my point. Like, if you just send someone uh, what, three, four first-round picks and two young players, that can get a job done for a star? Don't don't trick the uninformed man. Victor Oladipo, even now, not looking like nothing, still has way more intrigue than... Frank Nilakina and Kevin Knox combined. As With four first round picks? A potential at the very least as a starter. Whereas Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina are, are not looked at as starters in any kind of role. Whether me and you believe that they could be or not, Victor Oladipo is a former All Star. One time. Doesn't matter. Are is Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina ever going to be an All Star? Ever? And. But you, like, you're glossing like, over the four first-round picks, though. I'm not glossing <laughs> that over. Has, that's, the, that's where all the weight but is. But the two not. young players are just customary. That's, that's, just, that's what comes lottery, with the trade. They're not lottery picks. And yes, they are. Each, they're not lottery picks. Which, which, the two, which one is the two young players? Or are you talking about the draft picks? The draft picks. They're not, they're not lottery picks. If we do the draft over, Frank Nilakina and Kevin Knox are not lottery picks. Either way you want to slice it, they were lottery picks in the draft, which means that it they have potential. And they both abs- shown they they both nothing. shown what did Demontis Sabonis show when he got traded for Paul George? He wasn't an all star. He wasn't nothing when they got traded, but more when he than, was in Indiana, more than Frank Nilakina and Kevin Knox, and that's all. In OKC, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sabonis didn't do nothing in OKC. Is what I'm trying to tell you. He has. He has history. The, the people, no, he does not. The only reason people know who Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina are is because they played for the New York Knicks. If they who were was drafted, Oladipo? If they were drafted in one of the smaller markets, we would not even be talking like, "Oh, Frank and Kev and four four picks is going to get it done." Because let no, me ask you this: because the other team would be like, "Who are they?" And I love Frank, and I still believe in Kev, but. We're talking about star. Let me ask you this: star. That's not Paul George wasn't overvaluing those two players. What was Paul George when he got traded? Wasn't he a star? No, he wasn't. Not when he got traded. Huh? He wasn't a star in Indiana. He had. So I don't know if you remember this, but Paul George definitely was kind of like, oh yeah, he was an all star, right? But he wasn't on the level of. I feel like I'm about to say something disrespectful about Paul George. You're, you're about to say something OD out of line. Because Paul, Paul George, George, Paul George was, is Paul George was always looked Paul George is a guy who is who was elevated by the fact that his team was well coached, had a good roster, made it to the playoffs, was considered a championship contender, but actually really wasn't. And he's a great player, but 
We we're not gonna move the goalposts, Jelani. I'm not. I'm he not, was an all star, multiple time all star. He, was, he, he was. was traded for Demontis Sabonis and Victor. I think Oladipo by the time I think by the time he before got before they were, they did anything. I think by the time he got traded, his star had started to fall. No, it didn't. He I, got traded I, in 2019. Yeah, and I don't think Paul George. Paul George came off of injury like before that. He had a bad injury before that. In he, 2013, he played. He played. He played well. But he was an all-star it's hard, again it's multiple hard, times it's, before it's he got talk, traded. It's hard to talk about Paul George because I, I feel like people think that – I guess it's perspective, right? Paul George, when he got traded, was like, oh, yeah, he's him and Kawhi, they guaranteed to – No, I'm, him and I was, Russ. Him and Russ, him and excuse Russ. me. Him and Russ first before Kawhi. But when he got traded, it, I was still like, mm, that's not going to get it done, Paul and Russ. I think they're going to do well. I think they're really good players, but I wasn't. I wasn't thinking that that was going to make them a title cha- championship contender. And that was because they were both flawed players for whatever reason. And I think by the time he got, I think by the time he got there, it was if you didn't know it then, that exposed it. His time in OKC. If you didn't think that he was, he was not a star when he got to OKC. When he got to OKC, it was like, oh yeah, he's not really on that level with these other guys. <laughs> Chilani, you know. And, he averaged twenty two and, and twenty eight in OKC. He's not a. He wasn't a star. He's not yes, a star. He was, he was an all star all those years. All star, all star. That doesn't necessarily make you a star. So right? what makes David, you a star if not an all star? David Lee. David Lee was an all star. Was David Lee a star? Was he a multiple time all star? Two year after yeah. year after year. He had he had two all stars. But I'm what talking I'm about Paul is, George, who's a six time yeah, all star. Right, listen. We're not gonna agree on this before because, and I don't want, and I don't want to, LA. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to slander my man Paul George because there was a point in time where he was considered a star. Yes, but Moral I think the by the story t- was, I think by the time that he got like traded, I think, I think by the time, I think by the team time he got traded, his status got devalued. It's not true. And unless, unless we are trading for a guy whose status is devalued compared to what they were before. I don't think that gets done. I think it's if your if your trajectory is up, which Paul George's trajectory was not up, he was at where he was at, and if you thought that he was still there, then you make that then all right, cool. But he wasn't. I felt like his his status was going down when that trade was happening. It's not true. So uh, so that's how I feel. You can disagree with me, and I have no problem with that. You you can feel how you feel. I feel like his his status was starting to decline, and that's why you were able to make that deal. If you feel like you can get a, somebody who's who's a star whose value is starting to decline, all right, I'll agree with you on that. But I don't. So is, that, I don't think that gets it done. So, and at the time that Paul George was in Indiana, would you compare that to Devin Booker? Yeah. So a package that was that was put together to get Paul George, I would compare that to the package that I'm suggesting that we would trade. Do you think Devin we Booker. could get Devin Booker for that same package? Two if young Devin, players in multiple. If Devin Booker, picks. if Devin Booker wanted out, yeah, that's all I'm saying. If he, but he would have to want out. But I'm not only talking about Devin Booker. There's other star star players around the league that are, aren't Devin Booker. If Carl Towns, wait, how many how right many now, picks you said? I'd go with three, three have, first round. It, picks. It would be at least three, three. Frank, Kev, Devin Booker wants out. His contract is going to expire in maybe a year and a half. That's what it would take. And that's one uh, player right there that you just add to the Knicks but, with the same rotation. But if Phoenix decides that they want to look at other offers, that deal doesn't get it done. 
you know, consider that also. So let's move on because we still haven't talked about the potential new addition to the Knicks, Luca Vildoza. Yeah, right. You've seen some clips of him, huh? I seen I, I saw I saw what he has in the back. He's a shooter. He could pass. He's a good passer. Three level score. Uh, three level score, yeah. But I don't see him playing much unless we go through injuries in the playoffs. And that's when we would probably see him. since the news broke that the Knicks were acquiring him, I've been checking the news every day to see what's going on with that. It, it seems like he's waiting on a buyout with the Spain with the Spanish league team. Once he gets but that I, buyout, he's gonna sign with the Knicks. I read that the buyout was two million dollars, which Knicks have whether you any way you want to slice it two million dollars ain't nothing so I'm confused as to what's taking so long one well the and Knicks two, can't give the team the five million dollars it don't matter it don't matter whether the Knicks if it's the NBA you or whatever it doesn't matter well yeah you still gotta wait but still I, I I want I want to see what's going on with that because I was gonna before we started talking about the whole why Obi and Alfred they're still playing. I was going to lead into that with the Luca Bildoza. I was going to. I wanted to see whether his addition to this team was going to show how accurate that is, or whether we were going to be proven wrong. Where whether I was going to be proven wrong as to why these guys are getting the minutes that they're getting, because he may be good enough to. He may be good enough to have regular rotation minutes. I don't think so. He has we no won't chemistry. know. We won't know until he gets on the court. And and we're looking at highlights. Everybody looked good in highlights. You're absolutely right. But you know what? We won't know until he is on the court. And, yeah, we're looking at highlights. But sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes all you need is the highlights to see what a player is capable of. Everything that we've heard about Luca Bordoza seems to be exactly what the Knicks need at the guard spot. Combo guard, six foot five, six foot six. Uh, pesky defender can score at three levels, can pass. If that translates to the NBA, how do you play Alfred Payton? He could be our Pablo Prigioni. Or if you still play Alfred Payton, whose minutes suffer? See, who's a real next man? It can't be. It can't be D Rose. It can't be. I mean, it could be Emmanuel quickly, but if it's Emmanuel quickly, <laughs> New York riots. So, be quick. I so I'm. I feel like the fact that this deal is being done now as opposed to after the offseason, it makes me wonder if we're picking him up for the playoffs. Insurance. Right? And if we're picking up as assurance, even if it's for a game or two, if he comes out and he shows out, how do you put him back? How do you close that lid? How do you put that lid back on the can? Same way Tibbs has been doing it all year with IQ. But he's played IQ in every game. So yeah, the, there's, always, wanted to. there's always there's always there's always not going to be pushed to playing guys that just came here just because they showed out for a few games. They got to earn their minutes sh- over okay, but uh, over I'm other guys who's been here all year. IQ IQ remember the first couple games, three four games. IQ didn't play. IQ came out and instantly contributed, and yeah, it required I think an injury or so or, or you know something no, he was play. injured. That's why he didn't play. I'll, I'll go he had back a hamstring. He had a hamstring injury in preseason, and then when he came back. And he played. He didn't play that. He didn't play the first game, or he played a couple minutes. I think that's what it was. He played like a couple minutes, didn't get to show much. I think that's what it was real quickly. But he didn't get a real, real opportunity to play until maybe about three, four games in. And then once he came in and he scored like a minute, a, a point a minute, 
you know, we can't put that back. You can't put that away. You can't put that away and keep doing it. Well, how? How? That Austin Rivers had to had to go because quickly was just playing so well. So if we're talking about that kind of addition to this team, especially if it comes in the playoffs, it, you can't put him, you can't put that back in the can. It's not it's not the same conversation that we're having because you're not putting quickly back on the bench. You're not putting have him as a bench warmer. You're not because he's shown it. You're not having D Rose as a bench warmer. So how do you play Alfred Payton if Luca Vildoza shows out the way that those two have shown out? I didn't even you know you Luca Vildoza not existed enough. two weeks ago, so I'm not going to be like he's going to take. I did. I knew. I I heard about Luca Vildoza months ago, and when the news came out that the Knicks were going to sign him, I was like, hold on, I know that name because I I don't know if you've seen that Kobe Bryant before he passed away, he was really interested in two players. Luca Vildoza was one of them. Who was the other one? I don't know. It might have been uh, Campazzo. I don't. I I have to look into that. But that Campazzo that's was what, his teammate overseas. But that that was he on the Nuggets now. Yes, he's on the Nuggets and he's playing well for the Nuggets. But that's one of those things I'll that drop him off. <laughs> but though that's that's one of the things that I had already heard before the Knicks had him. I I had he was one of the guys where it's like if I think. I may have even heard of him during draft time as one of the guys overseas that people could look take a look at. But he was he, I don't think he I don't know if he ever made himself available to be drafted. But if he did make himself available to be drafted, he wasn't he wasn't going to come till the next season. So that's why nothing ever happened. Oh, no, I'm excited I was aware of Luca Vildoza. I looked at some clips before and I was like, all right, he's going to be playing overseas. So it's not it doesn't matter. And once we signed, once we, it was that we we're going to sign him. I instantly was like, I know that name, and I feel like this is a good thing. And then I looked at clips, and I was like, this is 100% a good thing. And if what he's doing over there, he could do over here. Anyway, we got to get, we gotta finish this up. We're almost at two again. Again. We got four games coming up next week. Tomorrow, Sunday, May 2nd, which will be today for you, listener. Knicks at Rocker. Knicks at the Houston Rockets. Rockets probably going to end up with the number one lottery pick, which goes to show how bad they've been playing this season. But we're so, not going to ignore the fact that the Rockets' star young player, Kevin Porter Jr., who they just traded for for a second-round oh, yeah. pick, mm-hmm. dropped 50 points his last game. And he's playing <laughs> – and the Rockets are playing right now on ESPN against Golden State, and they're down by, like, a lot, 17. So, And they're going to be down by a lot tomorrow, today, <sighs> when this when this airs. And they're home uh, right now, too. Which is also saying a lot. They don't. Let me see what their home record. Their home record right now. Oh, they playing the Warriors. Their home record is eight and twenty-four. So this is basically a home game for us. <laughs> they're playing. They're playing the they're Warriors. Not, they don't have a chance. The Warriors yeah. aren't even in the top eight in the West right now. Yeah, well, that's not saying a lot because the West is. It, they're under five hundred the by one the game. West right and now. The, the West and the East are. Similar in that they're top heavy with their elite teams, but that doesn't mean that that four through ten or eleven are bad teams. Those yeah, are all. but we know so, Golden State isn't elite this year. We've played them twice, and we've seen them at their best, and we've seen them at their worst. They still got Steph Curry, but Houston doesn't. So <laughs> I'm expecting for this Houston Rockets game to be a dub. Yeah, and we got nineteen now. Back to back, Knicks at the Memphis Grizzlies. Turn that off, bro. Next at the Memphis score. Grizzlies. 
the what are the Grizzlies at right now? The record? Yes. The Memphis Grizzlies are sitting at eighth in the West with a twenty two a thirty two, my bad. A thirty two and thirty record. And they're fourteen and seventeen at home. Three games under five hundred. A very similar record to the Golden State Warriors who are tenth. No, no, no. The Golden that, State Warriors are 19 and 11 at home. 10th seed. You're talking about the 10th seed. The records are not that different. I understand. But mm-hmm. those are two completely different teams. Yes. They're completely different teams, but in terms of their ability to win games. Mm-mm. The Memphis Grizzlies, I'm going to call that as a W. But I'm not. That's not going to be one of those we're going to steamroll over them games, I don't think. We're going to take that know? one. We're gonna take I mean, it. But the standings gonna... in the the standings in the West right now are so weird because the seventh and eighth seed are Portland and Memphis, and the ninth and tenth are San Antonio and Golden State. Mm-hmm. We know for sure Memphis isn't gonna finish eighth with them three other teams. Them three other teams are playoff like playoff experienced teams. The Memphis Grizzlies have never even sniffed the playoffs in the last eight years since Grind. I mean, since Marcus Sol and them was there, Mar- Z- Z- Zach Randolph and them. What was them? I'm thinking Grindhouse for some reason. What, what? <laughs> Grit Town, Grit Town, Gritty. What they used to be I, called? I don't remember what they used to be called. Memphis Tough. Some, 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 some irrelevance that they they swore they were so tough and they would get cooked in the first round. But anyway, they have John Morant and they got Valanciunas and a bunch of guys. I feel like we could take them. And San Antonio or Golden State is going to go up and take that eighth spot. Play in tournament, they're going to get washed out. And yeah. We're going to finish this, this this season out strong. We're going to beat Memphis. We're going to beat Houston. Who else so is, are, who else we playing next week? Before, so Memphis uh, so Memphis, Memphis has a 32-20 and 20 record, which is similar to the Miamis and the Charlottes with Miami has 33-30. and 30. So not the same team, obviously, but just, just, just to bear in mind that the Knicks are playing a team that could beat them, but I'm. I think that the Knicks are good enough to to win that game Wednesday. Uh, did you ask me a question just now? Sorry, I just completely ignored you. No, I had recognized that we play the Nuggets right after these two games, and that scared me a little bit. Yes, the Nuggets is going to be a tough one, and then the right after the Nuggets, <laughs> and after the Nuggets, we play the Suns again. Yeah, which and then the Clippers. Well, we're not gonna. We're gonna talk about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in the podcast after next yeah. next podcast we'll be talking about these four games Rockets, Grizzlies, Nuggets and Suns I would Honestly. love for the Knicks to win three and lose one in any way that this plans out because none of these are since these are all West Coast teams none of these are going to be important in terms of the standings outside of how many of the four that we take but we got to get these wins though we do have to get these wins and I'm going to tell you why the other day, I looked at all of the future games. All of these teams have nine games remaining. The Knicks have Knicks, Hawks, Celtics, and Heat all have nine games in the rest of their season. The Knicks are current are currently at thirty five and twenty eight. I have to update because these other teams have played. But the Atlanta Hawks are at thirty four and, and thirty. Miami is at thirty three and thirty. The Celtics are at 34 and 34 30. Good tie with the Hawks. So all three of these teams are at 30 losses, and the Knicks have 28. The Knicks are currently in control of their own feet, but they have. 
You saw, you already said the first four games. You said we have the Clippers after that. We have the Lakers after the Clippers. We have the Spurs after the Lakers. We have the Hornets. And then we have the Celtics in a must-win game by, by the way that this is all going to pan out. I tried to predict which games all of these teams are going to win, which games these teams are going to win. I have the Knicks finishing either 40 and 32 or 39 and 33. I have the Hawks finishing either 39 and 33 or 40 and 32. I have the Celtics finishing either 40 and 32 or 39 and 33. And I have the Heat finishing either 38 and th- or I only have them finishing at 38 and 34, which means that I'm only really worried about the Hawks and the Celtics. If the Knicks can only tie with the Hawks, the Knicks will be the fourth seed. Mm-hmm. If the Knicks tie or if there's a three-way tie with the Hawks and the Celtics, I think it's going to be based on who has the most wins in the division, which I'm pretty sure, or in the conference, one of the two. It's either the conference or the division. I'm pretty sure the Knicks are not going to win. Or the Knicks are not going to, going to have that over the Celtics because they were pretty bad in division coming into the win streak. So the Knicks need to just either have a better record than both of those teams or they have to tie with the Hawks and no one else if they want to maintain the fourth seed. Yeah. But that's why I said they, I don't see them falling any worse than sixth. But if they do, if they don't win against the Rockets, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Celtics, which there's no guarantee that they're going to win all of those games, but they have to. If they don't do that, they may fall to seventh. So it's very it's very important. The Knicks have to beat the Celtics on the 16th. That's our very last game. That's going to be nationally televised too. It's it's going to be a tough stretch. This fourth seed is not guaranteed. So the Knicks need to need to pull wins out of their out of their ass, literally. Like they have to they have to get at least five wins. There's no. That's the good thing with this team. This team I think is they in can. every game. I the think they're good enough season, to win it. They're in every game, and they have a chance to win every game. So all it takes is a few errors. All it takes is a few errors from the other teams, and then boom, we got our win that we weren't supposed to get. And if we beat up the teams that we're supposed to beat up, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So that's it. That's our that's our podcast, y'all. That that is the upcoming games for next week. Shit, me. You got anything you want to plug, French? I want to plug this wire into my MacBook, and then I want to turn off this podcast so I can let my my battery on my laptop breathe and get some cool air. Cause we've been on this shit for two. We gotta we're gonna bleep all this out too long. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna plug. Well, I don't know if I want to plug it because I haven't listened to it yet. But I was looking for some stuff to listen to podcasts and. There is a podcast that I had never heard of called Shattered Hope, Heartbreak, and the New York Knicks, which is going to be, it's not completed yet, but it's going to be an eight-part podcast series from The Athletic, hosted by hip-hop legend Chuck D. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's going to dive deep into the Knicks' past 20 years of chaos and controversy under team owner James Dolan. New Mm. episodes are going to be released every Tuesday. I like that. yeah, I like Chuck D, and it sounds like a very interesting thing. One of the episodes is going over us chasing after LeBron James, <laughs> and I missed that. Fortunately, I'd like to relive it now that we're winning 
because it's not going to hurt as much to listen to now that I know that we're going to at least be the sixth seed or the seventh seed in the playoffs, but most likely we're going to be the fourth or fifth. Mm-hmm. I can I can stomach listening to a part series about it, knowing yeah. that that ship is eventually going to be righted this year and hopefully in the coming years. Yeah. All right. So shout out to all Knicks content creators. Shout out to all Knicks content creators, all the podcast dudes. We're not going to shout you all out because we still need more subscribers of our own and we don't want yeah. them to go over to y'all and forget about yeah. us. But shout Go out to back. all of y'all, the Macri's, the Schwins, CP. all of y'all. Yeah. So shout out to all of y'all doing y'all thing. Uh, Simeon. Simeon. And that's it for us. All right. Take it easy. Peace. That intro music was Broadway Booth by Gotti B, formerly known as Gotti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.